Welcome to The Power of Perspective. I'm your host, Stephen Ritchie. Today we venture into the captivating world of martial arts with a special guest. Lucian, a martial arts professional, has dedicated their life to mastering the art form and inspiring others. Lucian's journey is a testament to the power and grace that martial arts can bestow, with years of experience and a deep-rooted passion for the discipline. Get ready to be inspired as we unlock the secrets of martial arts. Together. We both had a, I can say, a passion for fighting each other <laughs> growing up. And then uh, we thought later on, well, seeing that uh, we, we've got this experience, if you want to call it that, let's rather look at building it and doing it into a bit more of a, a, a discipline. So we joined a club, Paul uh, Case Mixed Martial Arts Academy. And since then, we started, we got black belts together, we competed together, we traveled together, and life happened. And after doing this now for about 20 years. Do you find you guys sort of bonded together through this experience? Most definitely. Most definitely. It's, uh, it's something that we share. Uh, we had something more in common and we always push each other, motivate each other. We are different fields of the martial arts which we competed in. I was more points fighter. He was technically he was the points fighter and I was the continuous fighter and then as life would have it, we swapped over and I became the points fighter and he became the continuous fighter. And so, you know, martial arts is a, you know partly seen as this um, intense battling sort of experience you see in movies and then part of it's also this kind of philosophy inner peace and life lessons a bit like the karate kid sort of experience and so for you what does it sort of mean how has it um, maybe influenced your life your, your mind basically when we started off um we knew that we would be taught different techniques dangerous techniques if you want to call it that way and it had to make you stop and think so it actually learned us the ability also just to take a step back and assess the situation before reacting to it. Yeah. Um, a lot of people think of a new martial artist who will go out and will beat someone up. Or, but uh, that's, that's a big misconception because first of all, safety comes first and it starts in the mind. You have to think before you do. Yeah, that's the, the interesting thing about martial arts. People think, oh, okay, they're just like looking for fights or, you know, being a hardcore. But often they're quite chill people who've just yeah. kind of found sort of a passion in the art and, if anything, can be quite maybe passive and very reasonable. Yes, exactly. Any sort of philosophies or principles that had an impact with you? Has it sort of reflected in your life? Yeah, in a nutshell, basically, like I, like I mentioned earlier, yeah. It gave me the ability to think before I do. So also it put me in a position where you can actually think what the other person is going through, what made them decide to react the way they did, so that you don't react in the same way and put fuel on fire. So basically to try and damper or defuse the situation before it escalates. So this would help you with uh, conflict resolution, right? Most definitely. In my opinion, the most successful martial artist or fighter out there is someone that can avoid a fight without lifting his fist. Yes. He uses his mouth to get out of it. And so going into it, there must have been sort of quite a challenge. Do you think there was quite a sort of learning curve? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, the main reason, if I can put it this way, the main reason why I wanted to do martial arts, I wanted to join the army. But back in the day, the army wasn't what it used to be anymore. And then I thought, what about the police? And the police force wasn't what it used to be. So I thought, okay, where can one find structure? Where can one find discipline? Where can one find guidance? And then also evolve uh, spiritually and physically. I started researching which martial arts to go for. And 
compensate for doing that. So which one did you sort of choose? Like what areas left out at you? So basically we joined uh, Paul Caves, Mixed Martial Arts Academy. We focus a bit more on reality. So we focus on self-defense, kickboxing, but with a bit of tradition on Bojuru Karate. And then Mixed Martial Arts, but not MMA as what you see on TV with UFC and EFC and people beating each other. Uh, mixed Martial Arts in the sense of we take different styles of different martial arts and we put it all together to form a service, to form basically a complete package of mind and body. And is it like the sort of movies? Like how relatable is that? Because you know that Hollywood has this little glamorizing and maybe overselling sort of aspects of things. Uh, how do you feel about that? Like, no, that's, that's a good point. That's a very valid point. Um, Hollywood does have that influence of people and back in the day when I started, I wanted to be like John Ford and Dan. Oh, badass. <laughs> yes, exactly. And now, the people that are joining up, they don't even know who's John Ford and Dan anymore. Because it's, it's, yes. it's a different era. So, it has evolved, it has evolved. We traveled also quite a bit, we went to the States and competed in the World Championships and a lot of those performers, those actors, actually participated at, the, at this specific event where we competed as well. So oh, amazing. we all from the same, not field, but from the same need, if you want to call it that way, that, that Hollywood also basically scopes in our, how can I say, events, always looking for potential. And uh, Jackie Chan? No, he's awesome. <laughs> no, he's awesome. Okay. He's realistic, he does his own stunts. And he keeps it real. Now he's done a lot for the field. Yeah. Now he must have put in like a lot of sort of time and dedication to it. Get to where you've got, which sounds sort of quite a, a high level. Must have been a lot of physical and sort of mental and even emotional adaptations. Yeah. And so, what was that like for you? I mean, you know, we just see montages, but yeah. like, it was the real world, you know. Uh, how, like, what was that like? What, what do people expect when they get that? I must say, I've been thinking quite a bit about that over the years. I've never thought 20 years doing the same thing. And uh, but that's how I feel about it. I believe in what I do, what, I, what I've done. Um, yeah, a lot of blood, a lot of sweat, a lot of tears, broken body. Literally broke my, well, dislocated my shoulder. Two operations later, broke my hand, broke my fingers, toes, oh, more. So it all comes, but it's all, it's not, how can I say, it's not that glamorous in the sense that it wasn't a fight and it knocked out. And, uh, it's mostly training, pushing yourself, pushing yourself further than what you should go and what your body is telling you. Yeah. And then accidents do happen, unfortunately, but that's how you learn. You learn how to take the blows. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it comes to the territory, right? You know, you, you take the hit, you, you endure, you recover, and you get back to it, right? So for example, you teach others, you where you went wrong so that they can Prosper. So around this, there's going to be both the actual martial arts training, but also imagine um, physical training. You know, you need fitness, strength. Yeah. Is, is that quite an important aspect? Most definitely. Most definitely. You can't just rely on an hour or two in class. You have to put in the hours after class in your own time as well if you want to make the change, if you want to progress, if you want to improve yourself. Yeah, and what sort of training did you do in that sort of realm? Uh, after hours, extra gym work, field work, if I say field work, like running, uh, running is always good, but we can go into exercises. Yeah, yeah, of course. Different, different opportunity. Yeah. But uh, a lot of extra training with your partners, getting it, get, getting them together over a weekend or a week after work. 
Yeah. And just go for it. And is there an emotional sort of aspect to it? No, definitely. Um, the nerves, right? The nerves, definitely. <laughs> standing there, getting ready for a fight before they call your name up, it's actually, it's quite intense. Still get nervous up to today. But when you're in that ring, you just rely on uh, your body, basically, and reactions. You do what you've been taught and what you've been teaching. And so you're in the ring with someone. What's that like? It's quite high pressure, right? It is. It is. You know, uh, what, what, what are you thinking in the ring there? I try not to think too much. <laughs> Just focus, right? Focus. Not too many distractions. <laughs> not to block with my face. So. <laughs> it's probably a good start, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. There's always people trying to push the boundaries. Um, so you've always got to be prepared that there's always someone better out, out there than you. Better, faster. Uh, that train harder, that wants this more than you. So you got to see where you are yeah. and keep on pushing yourself so that you can be the one that's better, faster, being pushed harder. Yeah. And um, is there sort of a bit of a strategy when you go in, you see, a, I don't know, something like a massive guy or a very nimble guy? Like, is, is there sort of a process there? you got to trust in yourself. Everybody's yeah. got their own thing. Yeah. So, and uh, you just go and you do what you're good at and from there, or what you're comfortable with. Most most fights are lost or accidents happen when people try new things last minute. Yes. So when you're in the ring, when you're competing, that's not the time to try new things. I'd rather um, use practice science to experiment okay. and refine your art and then just go in with a refined practice. The, the thing with practice and with in the ring is that in practice you're a bit more relaxed whilst in the ring you're high up and adrenaline. Is there a sort of a dietary sort of focus? Yeah, I wouldn't go on a big binge. No, I just like, a, it has it adjusted how you, your lifestyle in a sense? Yeah, yeah, it has. Um, well, it's a bit difficult to say my wife's a vegetarian, so, <laughs> <laughs> so that also had an impact. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, no, uh, definitely not less red meat. Red meat tends to make you a bit more heavier, if you want to call it that way. So, yes. you know, it also depends on where you want to put your focus on. I don't like to bulk up. So I don't go overboard on too many carbs and on too many too much red meat. Particularly, I like my fish and my chicken. So let's go into your sort of where you stand in this sort of career. You have a certain style, right? With that style, there's sort of key differentiating factors. Yeah. So, so for you, what have you sort of chosen in that sort of realm? Okay, so so quite interesting uh, way of looking at it. Like I mentioned earlier, my club or academy that I'm affiliated with, we do kickboxing with a sense of a bit of tradition and then we modernize it with different facets of MMA. But with all the instructors there, we specialize in something different, but not in a way that we decided to do it, it's just the way we've developed over time. Yeah. So when they want someone to demonstrate kicks, they'll call me up. When they want someone to demonstrate a certain punch, they'll pull someone else up. Or jujitsu, they'll reuse someone that that feels. So, if I put a look at them that way, I think I would be classified as one of the kickers. Yes, yes, that's your, your strong suit. My strong suit is kicking and a bit more aerial. Not, not a lot of aerial, but uh, yeah, maybe a bit more points orientated. So. I'm a point specialist. Yeah, yeah, they're ready for the fist, yes. but you, you catch them off with the legs, yes. right? <laughs> and so this comparative to the other big styles, like maybe even going to like what is out there? Yeah, apparently, well, I can put it this way, many years ago, karate was the main thing. 
parodied and nothing else. And uh, some people frowned upon it because they thought it was a religious aspect, but we'll get to that. Yes. Um, then kickboxing came onto the scene. Kickboxing technically was derived from Kung Fu many, many years ago, but uh, gained a lot of, I'm going to say, more interest in the, from the late 70s, 60s, 70s, and then it still grew slowly in South Africa, becoming more popular from the 80s. And then um, today, everybody's into MMA. Everybody sees UFC, they want to become an MMA fighter. They don't always understand the hard work and dedication that goes into it. But not just that, the, I don't want to call it violence, but uh, you've got to be prepared to bleed, if you want to call it that. Yeah. So we, we cater for, for that aspect as well in our club, but more on a sporting side, more on a safety. We are personally, I don't believe, and we also don't believe that children should be doing anything that could influence, not influence, but injure themselves on uh, a serious note yet. Yeah, is there sort of a, a minimum age group or sort of limitations on who can join this? Yeah, so we take kids from six years and up, but when it comes to full contact or sport full contact, we don't let kids do that. So you've got to be 18 years and older, even being 18, between 18 and 20, we do sport full contact with no contact or limited contact with, to the head because your brain still develops until your mid-twenties. Yeah. So, we're very much safety orientated. Some people appreciate it, other people don't, because they feel they just want to go in and cop with someone without thinking that they'll be the person also being clobbered. So, <laughs> You've taken your receipt, right? Exactly. You were mentioning that there's maybe perceptions, maybe, as you said, the religious and other, maybe the, the brutality, you know, the typical flashy McGregor versus yeah. whoever, uh, they just beat each other to a pulp. Yeah. It is kind of become, as you said, quite flashy. Is that a good thing? It, it, it Where people almost root for like, to get stuffed up, <laughs> KO'd, one hit. Exactly. So it's got a good point and it's got a bad point as well. So it can bring uh, attention to the sport. But when it takes, it's taken out of perspective. When you go back to gladiator barbaric days where you want people to lose or you want people to get injured, that's not, that's not martial arts. So that's, that's a difference between uh, MMA and martial arts. Yeah. Martial arts, we train mind and body um, physically and we try and uplift and obviously push each other. MMA, the new facet that's out there is a bit more gladiator orientated where Injuries do occur, yes, so you've got to be tough to be able to do it, but you also have to keep in mind longevity. Yes, yes, you need to make the long run, right? If you burn out too quickly, exactly. oh, that's, that's over. Yeah. As a fighter, any signature moves or techniques that you've got? <laughs> Maybe not the, the, the one-shot death punch yeah. or the, you know, that pinch when they pass out. <laughs> yes, um, there was one technique that I used to do quite often. Um, not a lot of people could do it at the moment. Uh, in points fighting, it was a maximum points you could get awarded which was three points at the time, and was a jumping spring 360 kick. We were to land a kick and then twist your hips 360 degrees and then land a second kick. Yes. As well. So yeah, I would say that would have been my signature move at the time. And so um, martial arts, when you sort of want to gauge 
different proficiencies. There's sort of a rating system. Maybe just give a brief idea of that for the total novices. Yeah, so when you start off with, um, I remember my first day I started off when I was standing in the back of the class and saw all these people with different colored belts. It felt quite intimidating. And then later on they explained actually what it's for. And now with me teaching myself, it's, it definitely makes a lot more sense because when people join, they say they don't want to grade. But the grading is there for two reasons. It's there for to gauge, well, it's there for you as a reward system on uh, how long you've been training and what you know. And then it's there for instructor to be able to distinguish in class what level of training his class is at so that he can adjust his class plan. Yes. So you start, or when you start off, you start with no belt or a white belt. Then you grade to yellow belt, orange, green, blue, purple, three brown belts, and then black. And then after black, you get the dance. And so you, if in a in a sort of competition fight, you would be matched with a similar yes. skill. Yeah. So that, that, that's what's nice about our organisation. You get matched up in your own belt class and your own weight class. As well. So then, let's say for you say it will be yellow belts weighing 65 to 74 kilograms will be matched together. We won't put a yellow belt against a black belt for you say. That's just unfair. <laughs> Give them a chance, right? <laughs> the competitive scene, like what does that look like? You know, I'm starting to get good, you know, maybe I'm feeling like the real deal. Um, I want to maybe a bit of a name, no. rewards to say like, Something to work towards. Like, what what do you look at when you get to a level where you get acknowledged and placed in competitive environments? Always remain humble, first of all. Like I said earlier, there's always someone better than you, faster than you. Um, it's it's normal to sometimes try and get it. I'm not trying to get a bit of an ego, but that's fine because every once in a while you do get knocked down. Yes. And then just get put back in your place. And that's what's so nice about the sport is that you lift each other up. You always grow. You participated in tournaments. How, how does that experience? And what sort of tournaments are around? No, okay, so that, that's actually quite cool. Um, we, we've got a local circuit in SA. So basically we've got the K Classic and then each province has got its own classic. So what's nice about it is if you're affiliated to the organization, you can travel throughout the country and compete in all the classics, uh, which is, like I mentioned, a pro provincial basis. You can earn your provincial colors that way. From there, we've got Destiny, which is the nationals, where everybody gets to compete against each other, once again, also in your health class and your weight class. And from here, they choose an essay squad. Yes. So the uh, Proteas, you have to be an advanced uh, or brown and black belt to be eligible for Turkey colors, and this is fully recognized by the government as well. And then we do President's colors and development colors. And then from this teams, we travel to the uh, United States. Yes. We're going to compete in the World Championships. And this is where Hollywood is basically also at, always scouting for new talent. And uh, yeah, the nationals and uh, World Champs always get support for us international TV. Yeah, it gets a good uh, attention. There's yeah. sort of a, a, a definitely allure to, to watching. Mm -hmm. And so what sort of countries are the prominent winners or, you know, the ones to beat in these international yeah, it's actually best quite, of the best? <laughs> it's quite interesting because uh, all the countries, they, well, they differ and their styles differ as normal martial artists do. 
the United States, they're very strong in points fighting. So they're very good when it comes to points. Um, oddly enough, the Jamaicans are very good at continuous fighting and sportful contact. South Africa is good at clash fighting and at MMA life or in MMA. So you say clash fighting? Clash fighting. But just a quick description? Clash fighting is a combination between points and continuous fighting. So basically, where in points fighting, they stop the fight when a point is scored, and in continuous, they don't stop it. When you do clash fighting, you can land three to four techniques, and then they'll, they won't stop the fight, they'll break the two competitors when they're clashing. Yes. So you're not allowed to go into a clinch, if I can call it that way. Uh, is that when you're just break. kind of grappling each other? Almost, almost to that effect, yes. So you've got to land three techniques, and then you've got to separate from each other and restart if the, the techniques over. So that's, that's something you've got to keep your mind at or so you focused. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, what is the highest achievement you can get in martial arts? Um, like, uh, I don't know, Hall of Fame? Yeah. <laughs> you can get inducted to Hall of Fame over years, but that's, that's many years from now. Our big, one of the big, uh, big guys in martial arts in South Africa is Hanshi Edicate, and he was now, uh, I'm going to say, on it. Couple of years back, for what he's done to martial arts in South Africa. Any other uh, notable countries? Um, yeah, I must say Germany, very good. Ireland, very good as well. Obviously, the United States. Uh, and they, they, they put a lot of hours into it. Their creative forms is next level. Their aerial techniques, next level. So you can definitely go and look at them. Uh, Matt Emig comes to mind many years ago. Definitely Google the name, quite, quite a nice app as well. Yeah. And then obviously some affiliates that got filled in the pot too. But it's always at these events, there's someone like Chuck Norris. <laughs> really? Yeah, no, he's, <laughs> That must be awesome. That's quite cool, I must be honest. No, he's, he's definitely there. Uh, Tony Jar also uh, pops, pops to mind. Uh, yeah. No, but it's so interestingly, the typical action stars are actually yeah. doing it. They're, they're doing the Tom Cruise effect, yeah, right? Yeah, they, they just yeah, don't want to exactly. just fake it. They want to like say that they're the real deal and they know what they're doing and yeah. reflecting. Yep. So yourself, um, in your sort of martial arts career, any memorable sort of experiences or just like that victory that just sat with you or um, big sort of challenges that really sort of put you to the, the, the brink? Yeah. Um, you know what I mean, the, the highlights, the, highlights. the real, that if you go through the memory train. Yeah, I, I must think back, there are one or two or three things that pop up. One being, uh, we do uh, one certain facet of martial arts, which is breaking. So you get different breaking, you get power breaking, where you stack roof tiles, and you nominate them, and you want to break them with one downward strike from the elbow, you're going to break as many as possible. Yes. So I was one of the first to be able to do that in SA. Um, creative breaking where you've got five stations with three substations per station, basically 15 breaks where you can nominate what you want to break. In. You can break anything except fire and glass in the most creative way possible. Um, and then three directional breaking or speed breaking uh, where you've got to break as many boards in seven seconds. And back in the day, I was able to take the ultimate breaking championship for lightweight when I was still um, sub 75 kgs. 
Right. Yeah. Um, the, the peak. <laughs> yeah, that was a peak. So that was quite cool. Um, recently traveled to the States pre-COVID 2018 and competed in the Veterans Black Belt Open and placed third. So and I must say, even though I placed third, that was for me one of the most highlights because these were competing against big oaks, uh, yes. big names from across the world in this division, Black Belts and up. Uh, that was in the Super AE or AAE back then. Um, and then obviously also I met my wife in martial arts. Uh, both of us doing our, our black belts at this stage and uh, still happily married. Nice! That's good. Who's better? <laughs> well, I must say it's nothing. <laughs> That's a hard question. When, when, when there's a tip at home, you want to call it that, or you say, I say a tip, or whatever. If we disagree, you go to class, we put our gloves on and we whack it out. That's, oh, that's, that's such a cool way yeah. to resolve, you know. And it's not regarded as domestic violence. <laughs> it's sanctioned. Play. It's sanctioned and uh, it's disrespectful if you don't, you know, how can I say, if you, if you don't give it your all against a fellow black dog. So uh, we push each other. And then afterwards, uh, it's like it's, uh, it was a good training session. You somehow forget what you were upset about or you realize it's not, I'm not going to say it's not worth it. Yeah. So you can just move on. So it's become like sort of a very maybe core dynamic in the relationship. Yeah. You've met no, through yeah. that, you've grown through that, exactly. and you, it's drawn you closer yeah. because of it even. Yeah. Definitely. Now we've got a, a baby boy of 11 months, and he's already, he doesn't have a say that he's going to have to do martial arts as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's got to get that black belt. Exactly. <laughs> Bobby and Daddy is uh, in it, so. The legacy, right? Exactly. It's got to continue. <laughs> And so, uh, like a black belt is the most sort of iconic sort of rating and statement of like, don't mess with this guy, he is hardcore. The journey to get there, like you see someone with a black belt, what does that mean? Like how many years, what, what proficiency, just in the kind of nutshell, like what are you looking at was to translate it? Yeah, so it's difficult to say because people evolve in different uh, speeds, but in a nutshell, you're looking about if from start to black belt levels five to six years. Um, it is a long term, long term goal. Like I said, I've been doing this now for about twenty years, and uh, you never stop. The thing about a black belt, when you get your black belt, that's the day you realize you're done with your basics. Yes. Now you've got to put into practice what you've been taught over all these years. Yes. And that's when you actually start learning. Has there been any um, mental obstacles? I know sometimes in gymming you sort of reach physical plateaus or demotivation. What is your personal experience with that? No, that's actually that, that's a very valid question, a very good question. Um, I did read at one stage reach a point where the motivation started to dwindle, um, but that was basically more of a test because at one point you rely on your mentors and your instructors to push you and then you have to reach a point where you've got to switch over and motivate and push yourself and not be reliant on other people and that's something where a lot of people actually stop or lose interest because they've actually got to start focusing on themselves yeah. and not relying on other people to do it for them. 
Yes, you got to take charge and responsibility exactly. of your journey, right? It's exactly. it's you, yours. You have the most vested interest. If you want to own it, you want to claim it, you've got to put in the hours yourself. You've got to put in the the preparation yourself and the research. And unfortunately, we are in a time now where people are too quickly to give up or too quickly to start something else. Yeah, we're uh, becoming a generation society of quick reward and things we have to in your personal time you know earn work towards and that accomplishment outside of a career sort of form is becoming less and and harder to approach yeah no that's that's really true and personally but people might differ from me i don't agree with participation awards Oh, like the good old school days, you know. Exactly. You like you get your award early in the calling, and you're like so excited, yeah. you know, like most enthusiastic, and you're like, oh, that's so cool. And you get start getting suspicious because yeah. one by one, all your other classmates start getting awards, and by the end, you're like, hmm, maybe we're just all really great. Yeah, exactly. And then later in life, you're like, okay, I see. <laughs> no, I understand the concept of it to try and motivate people, but I think. It's also in the long term has an adverse effect on people thinking that they're good from a younger age and giving this false sense of security. If you want to be good at something, you have to work hard into it. And you, you mentioned sort of mentors and instructors, although you've got to take your own journey, um, obviously have their role to play. So have you had sort of very influential mentors and people training you who have shaped your journey? You know, what was what the impact of them in general and specific sort of aspects? Oh, no, definitely. Um, obviously, when you start off, you've got this idea that you want to be like someone and you want to push yourself to get there. Um, and then when you start, you actually see the people, the, how can I say, the real people in it. Obviously, you get your Hollywood people because there you've got time, you've got special effects, all those other things. And then you realize actually the time that you've got to put into it and the hard work and like to say, the real life people. So it definitely plays a role in getting to know them. But also, you've got to first earn their respect to be able to be allowed in their circles and for them to to share their knowledge with you. Because if you know, unfortunately, like I mentioned earlier, you do tend to get people that want all this knowledge and when they get it, they haven't earned it, they get it and then they leave. So. Unfortunately, yeah, it has to be earned and it has to be treated with respect. Yes, uh, respect-based community. Uh, I like that. Yeah. So, just uh, you just mentioned Hollywood. I just want to get a little bit of that because that's kind of a fun one. Mm-hmm. What are the biggest sort of Hollywood crimes? Things um, I know your brother Brendan has mentioned like a few where they just get it wrong. You you know you see like a training program or a fight and you're just like, no, that's not how it looks. Like any like kind of big ones that go into mind that you see? Yeah, it is a bit difficult obviously trying to keep it as real as possible. I must say someone kept it as real as possible was the movie Warrior. I don't know if you've watched it. That's that's something you can definitely look at because that is close to home. If you see flashy movies, obviously it's nice to watch, but not everything is, is realistic. I must put it out this way uh, that Scott Atkins, he's, a, he's a, an amazing actor, but he's an amazing martial artist. He does his own stunts as well, if I'm correct. And the techniques you see there are real. The only thing is being able to do it 
multiple times in a row might be a bit difficult. So the sequences is mostly that catches our attention. Obviously, it's the same as like with you know, medical drama. The doctors will be able to say, hey, that's not on or that's not real. But it's catered for the public. It's catered for ratings and those people out there. There are movies out there which pushes the boundaries, but uh, you can also see it's there to inspire people. You yourself, going back to the mentors, have experienced sort of teaching martial arts. And, you know, what, what do you enjoy about this? Like, like what is the, the cool factor? I myself, I love teaching people, bestowing them a skill that can even impact their life journey. And that's so awesome. For you, like, what does it mean to teach? It's amazing to see how people grow and develop. Kids that I've had many years ago as students, how they've grown into young grown-ups. It's, it's scary to see how time actually passes so quickly. Just the, the, the type of influence you have in, in that person's life. And then also to interact with the parents. Because a lot of the parents, they bring the kids to class so that they can get taught discipline. Unfortunately, our school systems nowadays aren't as it was in the old days where discipline was enforced. With martial arts, that's your core. Yes. Discipline is respect. And if you don't want to adhere to what the senior says, we're not allowed to spank you, but we're allowed to do push-ups and squats until you vomit. So <laughs> <laughs> we've got our maybe even more legal. <laughs> exactly. And um, you've um, sort of released other forms of content around teaching. Like I know you've done sort of videos and sort of the yeah. over time. What sort of resources have you yeah, so, so during COVID, unfortunately, that had a big impact on fitness, but also. Um, the impact was good and bad. The bad, obviously, not being allowed to gather to train, so people had to focus on their own. Um, I think during COVID, a lot of people also got to realize their mental state. Being stuck at home for months at a time, not being able to go out and do anything, had a big effect on, on people. So um, after COVID, I could see people are focusing a bit more on their own health. Um, during that time, I had to make plans as well. My students wanted to learn. My students wanted to carry on with training. So I also started with making a couple of short clips, small videos on certain techniques so that they can study it at home at their own pace. No. Trying to make sure the classes still carry on until we were allowed to reopen. Yeah, no, consistency is key and yeah. enabling people to even in tough times continue yeah. is very important. Maintaining the routine. What kind of people do you get and maybe what the reasons for coming? Well, it's, it's quite interesting. We get different people from different walks of life. And what's not about, nice about martial arts is that it brings everybody together, regardless of color or religion. So in class, uh, we've got Muslims, Hindus, Christians, atheists, everybody working together where uh, Nobody judges anybody in any way. Martial arts, and not just martial arts, but sport, is the glue that brings people together without judgment. And it's so important that we keep this and push this basically under the young generations of people to come. Um, helping society out its own way. Exactly, exactly. Because you get to know each other. Uh, you, unfortunately, people get brought up in a certain way and um, I'm going to say 
you don't get exposed to different cultures, and this is what martial arts was for me. Yeah. It exposed me to different people, to different cultures, different calibers of people, um, from different walks of life, and it made my friends, a friend pool, so much bigger. Yeah. yeah, and you sort of learn quite a lot of insight and eye opening, right? Exactly. To see exactly. what people are about as opposed yeah. to having preconceived sort of notions, right? Yes. If you had to recommend martial arts to people looking for something, what kind of maybe struggles or just kind of life goals would this sort of help you progress? Well, for me, martial arts made me realize I can do things I never thought I could do. Yes. So, always surprising yourself. And then, when you reach that small goal, or even goals that you didn't know you had, yeah. you try and push yourself to do something next. Yes, so yes, you'll yes. see someone else do something and then you'll wonder if you can't do it as well. And you'll either have the courage to go and ask the person to help you, or you'll go and research on how to do it. Yeah. So once again, it pushes yourself to become more than what you expect it to be. Yeah, it's amazing how we can push the limitations yeah. of the human body and sort of mind to way beyond you where you think it could go, right? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's quite exciting when you start tackling that. Yes, very, very much, very exciting actually. Obviously, you do get your, you, you get your odd scenes. Um, in class, you're one person at work, you're a different person, if I can put it that way. People find out you do martial arts, then they become all, oh, you can fight, you can fight. But that's not obviously yeah, yeah. who you are. But that's always a good topic starter. Perfect thing to bring up at a sort of party or something yeah. to immediately draw interest. Yeah, and, and funnily enough, it's not you that normally bring it up. It's someone else <laughs> that will bring it up on your behalf. <laughs> <laughs> then the damage is done, and I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, we're getting into this, right? <laughs> so tell us your life in martial arts terms. Uh, that's, I mean, that's pretty cool. The value of this community and getting involved in this community, that yeah. must be something, right? Yeah, there's always room for more. And what's also great about the martial arts, there are so many different styles out there, not just kickboxing versus jiu-jitsu versus hapkidu versus hapkidu. Uh, you've got methods in teaching the same style that differ as well from instructor to instructor. Yeah. So, all I can say is get out there and join the club. See if, if this is something you've been interested about or wanting to do. See which club is closest to you. Go in for a free introduction course. See what, what, what the vibe is like. Do your research on yeah. the club's network close by and then make a call from there. And any things that you find to the, the fellow uh, teachers out there that has been valuable? You know, always, for me, always have a base class plan, really, and uh, you, you've got to learn to read the class. Um, look at your atmosphere inside the class and outside. Obviously, the weather plays a big role in what you want to do. On a cold yes. day like today, you don't really want to roll on the floor if it's cold, but uh, you, you want to make it fun as well. So just for me, uh, it helped me to basically start learning the room, reading the room better, and then just I always have something odd up my sleeves that I don't want the students to know about, so that I can catch them off guard and let, leave them with a, a memory of that of the night that this training was actually that day. 
Yeah. You've got to have that one thing that, that stands up. The cliffhanger. <laughs> Throw them back. Yeah. And so, you know, in a class environment, you get people who you know, struggle, different levels, um, requires different sort of interactions and engagement, yeah. right? And how do you sort of manage that? Well, so in our classes, hence the bell structure, so we can see if there's a big influx of lower belts in the class or split the class. So, unfortunately, you've got more than one instructor in class, and then you have the senior belts working together and the lower belts working together. Also, from there, you've got to keep in mind the juniors or the kids. We believe in keeping it real, so our kids work with the grown ups. We were talking about junior classes, keeping them separate, but that's not real. If typically a kid gets bullied by someone that's bigger than they are, so they learn confidence in class. By yes. Training with the grown or with someone that's bigger than them. And that's what we teach them that that's a safe space in class. That yes. you learn how to work with them, and then that's where they start building the confidence. What would you say if someone's like, Should I bring my kid here? Definitely. You know. definitely. Uh, not just does it allow the kid to grow um, and gives them the opportunity for discipline, but also gives the, the parent that hour or two of. Um, Alone time. <laughs> Get the kids out of the house, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's a place where you get the opportunity to meet more people, make more friends. Yeah. yeah. And you've sort of built long standing sort of relationships through this. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I wanted to join the army. The, the structure, discipline disappeared, but I found it in my thoughts. I'm still doing it. So. If you want your kid to have structure and discipline and respect, it's a place to come to. Quite a growing sort of hobby slash sport. Growing, yes. Evolving, most definitely. Yeah. Um, like I said, back in the day, when you thought martial arts, it was karate. You had the different styles of karate. Um, yes. Then it evolved more to kickboxing. When the movies came out, kickboxer and blood sport, that's what everybody wanted to do evolved from karate to kickboxing and then now nowadays it's your MMA keeps on evolving keeps on adapting keeps on changing and not every style is the same for every person so you've got to find out and figure out what you want to do test it out and go for a couple of free classes and then make an informed decision yeah what would you say are the key standouts in the various popular forms are um, because in the everything offers something of value, right? And a little bit of draw or a little bit of like, well, I'm doing this, but I respect that about that. Exactly. So I'll never badmouth a different style because they're there for different reasons and for different people. Not every, not one individual is the same as the other. So how can you want to disrespect someone else? Yes. Um, I like kickboxing. I like stand-up because that's where I feel comfortable. I can defend myself if I go to the ground, but I don't want to be in the ground because my philosophical point of view is that when you attack in the street, you don't want to end up on the ground because you don't know how many people are going to pin you down, and that's dangerous. That's why we teach you the core of when you end up on the ground, how to get back up. But someone else's point of view will differ. They will uh, feel that is the place where you want to be, and that's where they feel a bit more comfortable. So. It all depends on what type of person, what type of tuition you receive, and what 
suits or sits with your core with where you are, what you're comfortable with. <laughs> I know it's not about the, the street fight, but you know, that's kind of, if it does happen in you know, like a worst case scenario, maybe you're, you're defending yourself or even defending someone else, is there sort of different things you look up for there or just, you know, even principles there? Um, the heat of the moment, you know, yeah. like, I don't know if you've been there um, have, in that scenario. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Uh, yes. But uh, how can I say, you, you learn to read the room or you learn to read the environment because even though you might have been assailant or an attacker in front of you, you've got to make sure what's going on behind you. And that's where training in a group actually assists because it makes you aware of your surroundings consistently at, with whilst training so that you don't dump or knock into someone else. So put into a real life situation, it has definitely helped. And also it makes you think quicker on your feet with what type of action to take. Like I mentioned earlier, you want to try and talk your way out of a situation. Yes. Uh, but the last thing is to resort to violence if it's only needed. I imagine there's, uh, you know, sometimes the hardcore fighting styles in the movies have like multiple assailants yeah. against one. So, yeah, that does happen. And uh, there, in cases like that, if, you're, if you have to defend yourself, if you can't talk your way out, experiences all comes in. But you have to, I say, you don't want to stay and fight to the end. You want to create the gap to escape. Yes. You're fighting with your mind as much yes. as with your body. So you've got to remain clever in escape and leave your pride behind. Real world scenarios branch into self-defense yeah. and um, that's sort of an aspect but maybe a different area itself. Yes. Um, how would you describe that? Obviously with the martial arts it learns you discipline and respect. With the self-defense we try and keep it real. Like I said, you learn the room, learn to read the room or the atmosphere, and you look at what's available um, at your disposal if you need to take up a weapon. For argument's sake, we do, we keep it real. We know uh, in traditional styles, bow staff and sai and kamas, all those traditional weapons, it's stunning, it's brilliant. But you won't find a guy walking in the street with this big stick behind his back or a sword or a <laughs> That's not a video game, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's impractical. And actually, odd story, or interesting story. There was a traditional guy that did karate, Ronald um, Walsh, a couple of years ago. Came back from karate, a lesson with his bow staff, and he got attacked. Yeah. And he used his bow staff to defend himself. And then he got arrested for carrying a weapon with intent to do harm. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it just shows you how sick and twisted perspective outside can be. So we do do a weapon, keep a weapon, um, like we call it the cardio, it's a short stick, it's very practical. You can use it, you don't have to keep it on you, you can pick up a stick in the street and get basically defend you with that. Yeah. So that's why we say we try and keep it real. But yeah. uh, these are all the small things. If you want to know more, you've got to come to class, basically. <laughs> the, the trade secrets. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. When you see uh, the weapon, oh, do you, is it frowned upon? Is it just different? Um, you know, is there thoughts about that? No, each of their own weapon arts, I think, is, is gorgeous. If you pretend to use that word, it's a stunning form, it's a, it's a discipline on its own. Your coordination has to be immaculate. Um, because that's what really scores and I don't think that being able to do both styles is the same as being able to do the sword mm. or 
the wood or uh, the gamas or side mm. nunchucks. It's all all um, fields on their own, and amazing to be able to see those styles in action. Would you say there's any uh, favorite or just super unusual, um, you know, accessories or you know weapons that you've seen that just you know caught your interest? And you're like, wow, that's cool. It's yeah. like you know, almost a bizarre sport or just something crazy. Or for me personally, I like the the whip um, or the chain, which is actually quite cool to see how people can uh, use that to their benefit or create uh, this quarter or form from it because. If you think about stuff, it's amazing to see and practical. But now you've got you change your bow stuff to uh, nunchucks, which has got the chain inside, which already makes it difficult because now it's a it's a projectile, which is actually you've got to be able to control it, but it's, the controlling becomes more difficult. Now you've got the chain or the whip, which is just a bunch of interlink, interlinking connections, which makes it even more difficult. So you really have to know your Stuff to be able to do that. Yeah, you know, coming from a flow arts background, I sort of see the how martial arts sort of styles trickle into other things. Yeah. You know, the type of movements almost become, you know, meditative and almost dance-like, and even some of the props. You no, know, I actually. I've um, got into using um, a rope dart, if you've yeah. heard of it, you know, a little, um, little, traditionally a spear on a rope that basically people will yeah. swing around and wrap around themselves. And I found that very interesting. And yeah. so I saw, you know, the, the fire prop and, you know, checked out this rope dart and I saw these competitions yeah. and I thought, you know, wild and crazy and these guys were like, Amazing, and I suppose I might like just to give a little story is that it's uh, maybe you don't know this one, but basically, with the rope dot, is that they would um, have a sort of age without guns and things where yeah. they wouldn't um, be that easy to assassinate people. And so, what would happen is they'd have a jacket on and they would basically wrap the rope around them in a concealing menu, but obviously the the uh, lethal point on the end, and there's sort of a knot you can do where they'd open the jacket and release the knot, and it would shoot out almost instantaneously. Mm. So in a second, at quite a large distance, they would just take the guy out and, and done. Yeah. It's almost like scorpion from Mortal Kombat. The over history, the martial arts. How do you think it's uh, swayed it and um, been uh, an element of going back to no, the past? Most definitely. Um, there's so many different styles out there, and if you go back actually in history and research how they evolved and started, like Capoeira, probably will say. Now, everybody knows Capoeira as a dance, but why was it a dance? Because uh, the way I was informed about it, it was peasants working in the field, and they weren't allowed to have weapons to yes. defend themselves from raiders or uh, assailants. And they were dancing in the evenings, uh, having fun around the fire, and they would stop tying knives around their feet. And that's where Capoeira was basically evolved from, from this dance and elaborate movements with feet and kicking, because it was actually trying to cut people. Yes. Because that's where you could hide your, your weapon yeah. from, from playing eyesight. Um, same thing with Wushu, which was back in the days when ladies weren't, weren't allowed to do martial arts, it was a female that started Wushu. Yes. And it just took on flow and evolved from there into something so beautiful 
elite troops or even ninjas, which is a sort of debatable topic, yeah. uh, have elements of martial arts in themselves, elite assailants that even in a military capacity would be doing these things. You have any good examples of this? So, when it comes to ninjas, um, I can say the ninjas were more your tactical uh, martial artists, and they were there to basically uh, infiltrate and attack uh, uh, warfare on the samurai, which was actually quite also a, a field on their own. They, so, uh, they sound like a bit like the special forces of today doing... Yeah, it, it's a little bit of a debatable, uh, how can I say, topic. Some people say the ninjas are awesome, some people say they weren't awesome because they used poison on the ninja stars or on their darts. So it's but, kind of cheering. <laughs> it is cheering, but it was effective yes. as well because if you want to get through an through a samurai's uh, armory, you more gotta make it worth your while before you make it count, and that's where the poison darts come into play. This uh, ninjas wore also uh, swords, but it was not there always for fighting; it was more the tool. So they would use it as a step and climb a tree for him and say. Is there sort of a, a mindfulness? element or you know like a philosophy around that where it's almost like a different field but it ties into it that's something you learn over time um that's not something you'll get taught in the first year or in the first class uh, once again a lot of people think they come to class and they want to walk away and master instantaneously that's something you'll have patience with because you'll see how the training takes effect in your life and then takes effect in your mindset I must say, definitely for me, it's made me more aware of life itself around me. Not just human life, but definitely animals, insects, plants. So you've got a different uh, perspective on it. You are um, still quite active in the martial arts. Yeah, I am. Uh, I had to take a little bit of a seat, back seat now with baby boy at home. So I'm putting a bit more attention on him. and. Uh, on myself as well, so focusing a bit on studies and then from here, but still active, still involved with uh, teaching students. And, uh, I would like to focus a bit more on my own fitness, but uh, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Avoid the dad body, yes, right? Exactly. <laughs> 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 be ready for beach season. <laughs> and um, do you have ambitions in this, even at this stage? Yeah, um, I can say. Time stands still for no one. So as you grow older, you feel thing, your body adjusts, changes. A um, couple of years ago, I had a shoulder injury. Um, dislocated my left shoulder after going to two operations. was incapacitated for several months. Couldn't uh, train properly for, for over a year. And uh, my left shoulder became almost like a mind block. And then I had to overcome that. So now I had to make sure that my left jab was something I could rely on and I used a, a negative experience to become a positive experience by making sure that my left jab is one of the fastest techniques I can go now. So for me personally, you always re reflect back um, on yourself uh, from a practical perspective. If I see I've got a technique that is weak or has become weak, then I focus on that technique to make it almost my strongest. There's always something that's weak that needs improvement. 
if I can put it in, in that words. So you're always pushing yourself to come there. Now with age, you just put the same thing in perspective. Now, uh, when I fight, I don't fight as physically as much as I fight mentally. It takes on a different feel in the, in the ring, put it that way. Yeah. And it, it's, I've heard it was something to see. Um, yeah. But don't, don't fight someone else's fight. You've got to fight your own fight. Martial arts itself, you said it's evolving. What sort of practical evolutions are coming and have already come? As one can see, it's interesting from karate to kung fu, jiu-jitsu, and now MMA, a lot of people are moving back to karate. They're the golden roots. Exactly. They where the discipline started. So we found that a lot of people want to come and do karate again. Because MMA has been glorified, it has been brutalized, and people want to do that, but they don't want to get beaten up. They, they want to start from the origin. And so the, the sport is growing. And where do you and where would you like to, or even are seeing it transitioning in the future? You know, what, what does it look like in the long run? Some formulas you shouldn't change. I think when it comes to human beings, we always want to push the limits, even though someone else is pushing it but we want to do it ourselves. So we always go back to the beginning. But a lot of the older people, I think, are disappearing with age, obviously. So a lot of the newer people that join are joining because they heard their fathers and their mothers talk about it. And that's something that their parents did or their grandparents did, and they want to do it now. They want to see what it was like. And yeah. it's actually, it's a new generation that we've got to learn and that we've got to teach to uphold the, the history. Discipline is a key part in martial yeah. arts. How do you cultivate that? By repetition. Yes. <laughs> Consistency. Consistency. So some people must just have none, right? Yes. But you've got to build it, right? Yes. So a lot of it is also people that aren't exposed to it. And um, being part of a unit, uh, being part of a class, the class is your unit. Everybody stands together. One person breaks, the, the rules, everybody suffers. You, and at the end of the day, you don't want to disappoint your unit. Now you're building this discipline, you push yourself to the limits. And you want to avoid burnouts or injuries, right? Yeah. <laughs> you want to be safe and keep it up. Yeah. And so are there, are there tips for that? Maybe yourself and just sort of other... You have to have a schedule for training. And in your schedule of training, you have to have a schedule for rest. And if an injury occurs, Listen to what the doctors say. The professionals take the time to rest because we found that a lot of times people don't take the time to rest. They come back to class, continue their training, and then they injure that injury worse and then they're out for longer. Even though you're injured, you can still be of assistance. You can carry on with your other training. Um, you can carry on with assisting in class or even tuition, but you can still be involved. A lot of people don't understand that the training isn't just physical, it's also mental. So being at home and running through a technique in your mind works. It's not just about doing, it's about preparing as well mentally. Do you have any um, sort of specific mental or visualization techniques you use to enhance your performance? I just try and make the best or most out of my day. So normally when I'm driving or when I've got a moment in between meetings, try and get Quiet time. Yes. Quiet time. No distractions. And then you run through it. 
Yeah, whatever you need to. So a lot of people will say meditating, but what is meditating? That's 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 a different. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> all, a different, all can of worms. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So for me, meditating is able just to find a quiet place or the ocean or mountainside, uh, absorbing the the flow and the energy and the atmosphere and just processing. Are there sort of typical injuries that people face that can be avoided or? <laughs> Yeah, when adrenaline pops in and you want to throw a punch, the first thing that breaks is your hand. And the first thing we teach you in class is how to make a fist, yes. a proper fist, how to strike properly. But once again, like I so said, adrenaline strikes and you feel that you need to hit someone on the wall. Yes. <laughs> it's your hand that goes. So be careful for that. And so the building blocks of, of someone new, like what, what would those be? Uh, basics. Don't neglect the basics. Very important because uh, people want to, once again, they want to rush, they want to get into the class, they want to start fighting, but they don't know how to do it. Yes. Go through your basics. So when you say basics, like what are the, the sort of main basic things? How to make a first how to throw a left jab and a right cross, how to throw a hook and an uppercut and the different kicks. Yes. There's my is mawashis and round kicks. So just uh, get your basics done properly and then from there it will flow and then also listen to what your instructors and your seniors says because they've been through it they've been there longer than you are so a lot of our beginners are phased into the main class so they get taught their basics they uh, become comfortable with sparring now we've got a rule in class where your senior belts have to train with the lower belts but they come down to their level to assist them and to guide them. This gives a, sense, a false sense of security for the lower belt because they're thinking that they are dominating and winning the senior belts. So they want to try and put it on. And we have to remind them that the senior belts are coming down to their level but this doesn't always sink in. Yes. So every once in a while we just have to take off how can I say the, the mittens and remind them that the senior belts still know more than what they do, give them a wake up call. So without obviously hurting them, just making them realize putting them back in their place. But that's natural. People get excited, people push themselves, they're reaching this first goal that they can actually use both hands and feet at the same time and jump and spin and do fancy stuff that they couldn't do a couple of weeks ago and they want to put it all in place. What specifically appeals to you about kicks and how does it give you the cutting edge? Yeah, so, so kicks are actually interesting because you need more space for, between you and your partner, but doing a kick uh, and creating that space, you have to be quick to be able to land it and to do it. So within that time, if your partner knows what you're going to do, they are going to catch you off. So you have to hide it. Yes. And that's where I like more the, the psychological side of sparring or training as with the physical side. Because yes. you have to hide what you want to do and be a bit more sneaky to land your, your plan and your combination. And that's what makes it fun. And that's yeah. what makes it a game at the end of the day. And that's what makes you grow and your partner grow as well. Obviously, you don't want to hurt each other, yes. but you want to push each other. Yeah. And so this mental sort of exercise yeah. and maybe just prediction sort of game yeah. that gets quite involved. What sort of, I guess in poker, you know, you'd call it like tells, yes. do you see yes. it to hide? Yeah, so I call it a give. And that's one specific thing I teach my students as well. Everybody's got to give. Yes. And 
it's your it's it's your duty to find out what that person's gift is. So some people will before they throw a, a left mawashigiri, they would raise their right hand for some reason. And I'll point it out to them, I'll tell them that's your gift. So don't do it. Or you can use it to advantage and use it as a counter. But I use it as a teaching moment. So yes. um, once again, always evolving, always you've got to give when you do something. So even in life, figure out what's your gift. And so do people <laughs> make me think of like this James Bond consider rail where someone sort of has an idea of your gifts. Do people ever fake give gifts yeah, yeah. as like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> another layer? <laughs> so that's where the comes in, the, your, your senior belts, your fakies. Yeah, definitely. Mm. That's, that's, and that's what's make it fun. Uh, especially in a tournament environment. And each technique that you do has got a counter as well. Yes. So it turns into this dance between you and your partner, basically, yes. of what you're going to do, how he's going to react, how you're going to react, how he's going to react. So basically, that all depends on what what it's going to look like at the end of the day. So yeah. I can't say that I'm going to go in, I'm going to do this and this and this and this and this, because mm-hmm. he might not allow me to do it that way. But that's where your training comes in. You get taught all these different techniques which you put into your arsenal until you imagine your mind is like this filing cabinet. And then you've got techniques for from the left jab and techniques from the right cross and techniques with your left foot basically. So and that's how I put the different combinations together. So your mind is an amazing thing to be able to do that over time in split seconds and decide what goes when and when. Things that um, in terms of like maybe physical that you develop. I know for me, like when I was learning sort of in the flow, it's uh, the staff. I had to learn balance and sort of strength and uh, coordination. What sort of develops and almost needs to develop when you're doing these things? Definitely all that. Balance, uh, coordination, strength, uh, mindset, uh, and foot coordination. Very important. That's why I say you can't just rely on training and class. you got to look at where your strong points are. Work on them, look at where your weak points are, and grow them. Yeah. So, and a lot of that happens in your own time. You, it gets pointed out in class, don't get me wrong, but that's where your, tra- your training comes in, your journey comes in to evolve and to grow. Not just for that hour or two in class, but to put in extra. Do you have a good example of one of your uh, students or someone you've seen that martial arts would have quite a transformative thing? For me, it's actually amazing to see I've got one or two students that came up as juniors. They started, I took them for the basics right at the beginning and now many years later, they're also instructors with me. Yes. Came up the ranks, they changed from this little hooligan <laughs> and a teenager went through all the motions and I can see that they're actually a decent young individual. Good for you to get that balance because if you know that you're stuck in the office all day, then you know you've got a shortage of pressure. Get out there, do something. Doesn't have to be martial arts. Go for a walk around the block, join a, a walking club, or go fish, or go hike. Get, yes. Get, just get some pressure because you have to have a balance in your life, not just socially. You have to have private time, you have to have social time, but you also have to have fresh air and you have to have physical, physical time. To live a effective life in sort of modern times, you, you sort of mentioned a, 
a few, but you know, what does it take to to get it right? Even as a family man, you know, yeah. what have you learned? Dedication. Um, be loyal to yourself and what you stand for. Don't always just change yourself to make other people happy. So if you're happy with who you are, be happy. Embrace yourself. Embrace yourself. That's that's what I'm good. Is there anyone who you think has they've mastered martial arts? You know, people think like Bruce Lee, for instance, is like his, no, uh, that's more kung fu, but yeah. No, no, that's, that's part of part of martial arts. Bruce yeah. Lee, I think he reached a lot, but he brought a lot of awareness to it. He passed away at a very young age, and I think he also still had quite a bit to learn. I think most people would know him as a little bit of an arrogant person. Yeah. Um, but probably had had to be or yeah. to reach what he did. But I think kudos, awesome oak. Yeah. And the same with Chuck Norris, nice oak, gentleman, gentle giant basically. Think Chuck Norris has impacted the scene? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. <laughs> Is it all roundhouse kicks? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, he's done a lot for the sport as well, bringing a lot of awareness to it. Awesome work. Any last things you'd like to say to the, you know, the listeners? Any rants? <laughs> yeah. When starting a martial arts or a sport, look at where you want to end up and then look at what's going to happen after you end up there. So when I started, I realized I wanted to become an instructor. Yes. I, I didn't just want to do martial arts, I envisioned myself as being an instructor in the academy. And I reached it. And a lot of people, when they reach their goal, they think that's the end. But I mean, sometimes athletes almost tear up. Yeah. Know, like they've achieved all they can exactly. achieve, and there's nothing to almost live for, you know? Yeah. So my idea was to become an instructor and then to become a black belt. I've got my black belt, I've got my, I'm an instructor. And what's next? You keep on pushing. And now your reward becomes different. So now my reward is seeing the change that I can make in someone else's life, that my instructor made in my life. Yeah. So it's, it's just amazing. I started martial arts at a late, late age, committed to it after school. And um, you know, you're never too old. The thing, a lot of people think that they're too old to join. Um, we've got a father and son that started. The son was eight years old. The father was in his early forties, and he was sitting outside while the son was training. And then just realised, well, we can do it with him. And now the two of them are back off together, also instructors. And this is also three years later. He's close to sixty. So, sure. yeah. Going strong. Going strong all the way. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, Nishan, thanks for coming on. To the listeners, thanks for, for joining. And yeah, keep an eye out for the next episode.